Hello, real life family and friends, and welcome if you're a visitor to this uh, message today. I'm Tim, pastor at Real Life here in Montrose. So glad that we can have this time together and just want to encourage you today with a message about building yourself up. So we're in this series called Build Yourself Up, and it comes from Jude 20 and 21, where it says, but you, dear friends, building by building yourselves up. So there's something we can do, uh, not just physically, but spiritually to build ourselves up spiritually. And it says, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. In other words, we need to be built up and pray in the Holy Spirit so we can keep ourselves in the love of God while we wait for Jesus to return. So this series has been about how do we build ourselves up. We've talked about the importance of reading the, the Bible and uh, not just reading it, but studying it, meditating on it, and absorbing its truths into our life, right? Uh, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. So that's how we build our faith is through the Word of God. Also, we build our faith by praying and having conversation with God, listening to God, because God is talking to us. Not just always just talking to God, but having this communion with God. He builds us up. His spirit speaks to us in prayer. And we learn and we grow. We get inspired. We get healed. We get encouraged. We get wisdom, inspiration. So we build ourselves up through prayer. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we can be built up when we learn how and practice a spirit-filled lifestyle. To live a spirit-filled, spirit-directed life is going to be a life that builds us up in our faith, that brings power into our everyday life, and, uh, and keeps us strong in the Lord. So Ephesians, I think, 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And that's only possible, right, when we dive into the Word of God, when we're communing with God in prayer, and when we're letting the Spirit of God live in us and through us. So today, I want to continue that emphasis on the spirit-filled, spirit-directed life and talk about spiritual warfare. So here's just a couple of facts about spiritual warfare. I know it sounds like a scary phrase, uh, but I just want to go through some simple things with us that we are in a war and it is not a physical war. It is a spiritual war. So I want to talk about this topic called spiritual warfare. I want to start by just laying a groundwork of eight facts that the scriptures teach us about this topic. Number one, we have an enemy. First Peter 5, 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Number two, our enemy has a plan. The devil has a plan. Jesus says in John 10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his plan for you. That's his plan for me. To steal, kill, and destroy. Number three, our enemy has an army or a kingdom or a dominion, okay? The Bible says this in John, uh, or I'll, I'll read this one in Colossians 1, 13. It says, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion or the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, right? The Bible calls the devil the prince of this world, and, uh, and it refers to his kingdom as, as a darkness or uh, that kind of uh, idea, okay? Number four, we are in a war, okay? Uh, yes, we have an enemy, and yes, we are in a war. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world or this dark kingdom, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms or in a spiritual realm. So that's why it's called spiritual warfare, because we are dealing with a spiritual enemy who has an evil plan, who has a kingdom or a sphere of rulership on this world. And, and we are now engaged in this struggle against these spiritual forces. Okay. These are all facts right out of the Bible. Number five, but we have spiritual armor, right? Ephesians chapter six, verse 13 says, therefore put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, when the enemy approaches, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So the armor of God is the spiritual armor that we have to be able to protect ourselves from the enemy. That's awesome. Okay, point number six. We also have spiritual weapons. Hallelujah. We're not just trying to survive. We also have weapons, right? We need weapons in war. These weapons are not of the, of the flesh or physical, they're spiritual weapons. Ephesians chapter 6, 17 to 18 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the word of God is one of our weapons. Also, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So praying in the spirit is also one of our spiritual weapons. The word of God and praying in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. These are our weapons that we use in spiritual warfare. Number seven, we have been given spiritual authority. This is pretty awesome. Jesus said this in Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So Jesus is recognizing that the devil is our enemy. Jesus is giving us authority over our enemy. So, and that enemy is a spiritual enemy. So Jesus is giving us spiritual authority over a spiritual foe. And he's saying, nothing will harm you. You have authority and power over all the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. That's awesome. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. And then finally, number eight, we need though to exercise this authority. Just because we have the authority doesn't mean the devil isn't going to try to usurp that. So we need to exercise the authority Jesus Christ has given to us. James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So these eight principles are just simple truths about this concept of spiritual warfare. And I want to dig into this a little bit deeper with you today, okay? But first of all, I just want to remind you of a couple things also, okay? Number one, your enemy, the devil, Jesus says he is a liar, he's a thief, he's a murderer, and he's a deceiver. And he does not fight fair, okay? So just be aware of that. Of all those things. Number two, the battle that is raging, this spiritual war that we're in, will not end in our lifetime unless Jesus comes again. This isn't just something that we can just do one time, win a battle, and be done with it and rest easy, right? This is a spiritual battle going on every day for the rest of our lives, so we need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to fight, okay? And number three, I'm gonna break this down a little bit. Ignorance apathy, and disobedience will lead to your demise and enslavement, even if you're a Christian. Ignorance, apathy, disobedience. 
These are bad things. We don't want these in our lives, okay? Let's talk about ignorance for a second. If you don't know the truth, the devil will deceive you. And when he deceives you, your life will not be better for it. Ignorance is not good for the children of God. We need to know who we are. We need to know the truth. We need to live by that truth. Number two, apathy. If you're lazy, you're, he's going to eat your lunch, right? If you stick your head in the ground and act like nothing's going on, the devil is going to slap you silly. You cannot be ignorant of the war that is raging around you. You do have an enemy. He has a plan. He is against you and he does not play fair. So we cannot be apathetic uh, in this area or we will be uh, sorry for it. I incredibly sorry for it. All right. So ignorance is bad. Apathy is bad. And disobedience. What disobedience does when we are rebelling against God, disobedient to his word, living in sin. What happens is that opens up a door and the devil will come in and torment you. And so these are things that we need to guard against as Christians. Right. We need to be constantly growing in the truth. We need to constantly be vigilant and zealous. And we need to be constantly submitting to God and realigning our hearts and our lives with God's word. So there's no opening for the devil to rob from us, steal from us, hurt us, harm us. Amen. OK, so let's talk about this a little bit. The good news is this. Jesus has completely defeated the devil. Jesus has already won this war. Okay, that's good news. Number two, Jesus has given you and I his authority over the devil. That's true. That's good news. And finally, if you submit to God, right, and, and if you utilize God's word and his Holy Spirit, you will win over the enemy. You will win. If you submit to God, if you trust in God, if you use his word and his spirit, you are a winner. So this is good news. Okay, and this is how these are the things that we need to learn how to do. So here's what the Bible says. John says, um, Jesus says this in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You may have shalom. You may have wholeness, healing, blessing, prosperity. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. And we're with him. So we are overcomers. Yes, there's trouble in this world. Yes, there's hardship. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be resistance. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world and I have peace for you. I have peace for you. So he is the captain of the host. He leads us in victory. He leads us in victory in this battle. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And we say the amen, right? We agree with God's word and we profess that out and that solidifies God's promises to be active in our lives. So I want to read this passage out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. It's called the armor of God. And uh, I want to read through it and then talk about our spiritual armor for a couple of minutes. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, here we go. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Now it lists the, the armor of God pieces, if you will. Stand firm then with a the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. 
and take the helmet of salvation. Okay, so here are the components of the armor of God. Now, when you think about this armor of God, we're talking about spiritual truths. All right, spiritual clothing, if you will. Yes, uh, Paul is using Roman armor imagery for what a Roman soldier would be putting on for a physical battle. But we are putting on spiritual armor, spiritual truths for a spiritual battle. Okay, so when you think about this, I want you to think about these are actually mindsets or truths that we are adopting, we are believing, we are placing our faith in that keep us from being deceived by the enemy. And can you see how many lies of the enemy will be automatically uh, defeated if you are living in the good of these pieces of armor? So let's go through them. Truth, truth, the belt of truth. Jesus says, the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we live by the truth of God's word, we are already defeating the enemy's plan off of our lives. When we are open to God's truth, when we are obedient to God's truth, when we are seeking God's truth, we're going to find freedom. We're going to find freedom from the old ways of doing things, right? And so we want to have 100% faith in God's word to be our truth, our truth. Proverbs uh, 2.11 says, discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. The truth not only sets you free, but it protects you and guards you from the deception of the enemy. The breastplate of righteousness is the idea uh, that Paul says in Romans 8.1, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we are cleansed of all of our unrighteousness. We are made right with God. Therefore, God is, we are children of God. God is able to use us. Uh, there is no more shame or guilt or condemnation. And the devil wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel condemned all the time. But when you put this piece of armor on, you put this spiritual truth in place, you're like, uh-uh, yeah, I have screwed up. Yes, I have failed. But Jesus has forgiven me. I am cleansed. I'm a child of God. I'm not going to live in that gutter thought anymore. I'm going to hold my head up high because I am who he says I am, not what the devil says I am. Amen. You see how the armor of God protects you from all these negative thoughts, all these condemning words, all of these different whispers that the devil will come at you with. The next piece of armors, our feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. In other words, we have a mission. We have a mission everywhere we go. We are called by God to extend his peace, his shalom to people to communities, to families, everywhere we go. We are on a mission to extend the kingdom of God. Our feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Every conversation we have uh, is purposeful. Our lives matter. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. All right, the shield of faith. The Bible says it extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. It, our faith in God and our faith in God's word, right? Without doubt, that just puts out all the, the doubt arrows that the enemy shoots at us. Did God really say? Who said that? Satan said that, right? Did God really say? Uh, to, and he said that to Adam and to Eve. Well, God didn't really mean that, did he? You see how he works? That's the, the deceiving part of our enemy. 
always trying to question, always trying to undermine God's word and God's promises. But our faith in God and his word extinguishes all those silly lies that the enemy tries to get us to bite on, right? And that, that's, this is what uh, 1 John 5, 4 says. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Our faith in God and in his word is what overcomes uh, the world, right? And the enemy. Also the helmet of salvation, for we are saved by grace alone and we have an eternal destiny in heaven with our Father, right? No matter what happens here, no matter what's going on, we have eternal security in Him. We can't be rocked. We have no fear, right? We are rec- not recklessly, but we are relentlessly abandoning ourselves to the good of the kingdom of God because we have already been grafted into eternity with our Father, right? We're not striving and seeking some pleasure here on earth. Our lives have great purpose and meaning, and we already have eternity secured for us. And so the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, didn't say if you follow all the rules just perfectly, if you read uh, three chapters of the Bible a day, if you pray one hour a day, you know, for 60 days, if you do this, if you give that, if you if you toe the line here. No, no. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not by works. It is by faith. The Bible says this, that once you Um, uh, It's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess and are saved. So that's awesome. Now, that is our spiritual armor. I have much more I could say about that, but I'm trying to get through a lot of material today. Please look at your notes and study that passage of Scripture a little bit more thoroughly and let God speak these things into you so that every day when you wake up, you burn these truths into your mind and you live your day with these convictions upon you. Because if you do... If you're living life with these convictions upon your, uh, upon your heart, you are going to eliminate so many attacks of the enemy because they won't land because of your armor. They will bounce off because you know you're secure in your salvation. You know you're forgiven of your sins. You know your life matters. You know you are following and living the truth. You don't have to be swayed back and forth by everybody else's opinions. It will save you so much uh, of heartache and, and uh, keep you strong in so many different attacks that the enemy brings against us if you live by the armor of God, okay? All right, but now I want to talk about our spiritual weapons, okay? And we have two main weapons I want to talk about. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 6, 17 and 18, as I read earlier, there's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? And so one of our weapons is the Word of God. And a sword right, is both defensive and offensive. So I have a sword here for you. Check this thing out. This thing is in my office. Um, it's actually called the Sword of Solomon. And when we have a sword, you know, it, it, it also defends from attacks, right? You can defend yourself with a sword, but you can also attack. So it's defensive and it's offensive. So the Bible says that the Word of God, God's Word, His promises, is both defensive and offensive, right? When you think about Jesus being tempted in the desert, in Matthew chapter 4, the devil came to Jesus, and three times he was tempting Jesus, and he was questioning Jesus and trying to get him to doubt his identity, trying to get him to prove himself. And three times Jesus defeated him by what? By a sword, right? By the word of God. And Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And he quoted and he spoke the word of God 
and it says the devil left him, right? And so we, will gonna, we are also going to defeat the devil the same way with the word of God, the sword. The devil might come against you and say, you're not worthy. God's, you know, not going to use you. And what do you do? You take your sword. What's your sword? It's a verse out of the Bible, right? You can be quoting something. You can say, oh, yeah, it is written, right, that, that God loves me, that I'm a child of God. And, and whatever your attack is, you come right back. It just, it doesn't look like the devil showed up and is arguing with you or he isn't swinging this big old physical sword at you. Uh, it's an analogy, so the thought comes to you and the devil is attacking you with, oh man, you sinned so bad. God's done with you. He's so mad at you. You shouldn't even show your face in church. You're a hypocrite. You don't deserve God's love. You just need to leave God because you you failed God. And all of a sudden you're getting all these arrows, choo, choo, arrows of these terrible thoughts coming at you, right? So what do you do? You got the shield of faith and you got the word of God that defends those sayings. And you say, no, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, I did screw up. Yes, I have failed. But I thank you, Jesus, that you are cleansing me of all my sin. And I am your beloved. And I am your child. And there is no condemnation on me. Do you see? So you take the word of God and you defeat the word of the enemy, the sword of the enemy coming against you. Now, there's this idea in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5, that says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not physical. On the contrary, they have divine power, God power, to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive or we wrestle into submission every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So there's this idea of a wrestling match to, to submit the wrong thoughts to God's word. And we're, we're, we're kind of giving a, you know, a, wrapping our arm around the neck of a lie and we're trying to pin it down to the mat using God's word. This is the offense part that we need to have, right? We need to take those thoughts captive to make it obedient to Christ. And, um, and the other tool that we have is praying in the Spirit, okay? And I talked about this quite a bit last week, praying in tongues, praying in your spiritual language, praying in a heavenly language that supersedes my mental understanding, my limits, my my. Lack of understanding doesn't get in the way. I am praying perfect prayers to heaven in my spiritual language. And Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Right. And this is part of our weapon. Romans 8.26 and 27 says in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit, the spirit knows the spirit himself intercedes for us. Through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So when you're speaking in tongues, you're praying in your spiritual language. The Spirit, your Spirit, is by the power of the Holy Spirit praying God's perfect will to be done in that situation even though your mind doesn't know what it is. And there's great power when the, the breath of God in your mouth is praying the perfect will of God in a spiritual language over every and any situation that you're facing. This is a great tool for us to defeat the enemy. Okay, let's talk about our spiritual authority. Okay, we are co-heirs with 
Jesus. Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And so we have the covenant promises of God for us. This is amazing. If we're co-heirs with Jesus, that means all of the things that Jesus deservedly inherits from God as his son, we now inherit because of Jesus. There is no difference at all. All of the covenant promises of God have been released for you and for me. We need to understand this. Our spiritual authority comes from our identity in Christ, that we are sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of the King, of the Creator, of the All-Powerful One. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians 1, verses 20 to 23 about Jesus. It says, God seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above, far above, in authority, far above, all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet, authority, and He appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So this is what God did for Christ, lifted him up above everything else. He has the ultimate authority. And in chapter two of Ephesians, verse six and seven, says, and God raised us up with Christ. We are co-heirs now with Christ and seated us with him, with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This is talking about authority. Our position as a son and daughter of God, co-heirs with Christ, we are in the same authority position because we are with him. And here's the deal. It's in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. How good God is that he would elevate us as his sons and daughters with full authority over all these powers and principalities in this spiritual war. So that's something you need to know that that is who you are. You need to understand that's your position because this matters when we are engaged in spiritual warfare, knowing who you are. The second thing about our authority is Jesus has given us authority over the enemy. I already read this verse, uh, Luke 10, 11. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which is an allusion to uh, demons or fallen angels. And to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. So Jesus himself made it very clear. I am now giving you this authority over your enemy. Your enemy has no authority over you. You have the all authority over him. There isn't one area of your life that the enemy can rule and reign over you. That's a lie. Uh, you need to memorize this verse if you believe that. Because Jesus says, I've given you all authority over the, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Okay, so we need to understand who we are in this, uh, in the position, in the rank here, right? And thirdly, Jesus has given us a commission. We're on a mission. We have been authorized by heaven, right? We have a divine mission from God. And Jesus gave us the authority to go forth in this mission. He said this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And now he is expressing and releasing uh, and empowering us with that authority. That's why he's saying that all authority is mine and now you go. And he's given us that authority. You go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. So we have been given 
uh, a commission by God himself. And finally, Jesus told us to use his name. He has given us the authority of his name. John 14, 14, you may ask me for anything in my name, in the name of Jesus, and I will do it. 1 John 3, 23 says, and this is his command. Listen to this, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, to believe in the name of Jesus, that his name, as Philippians 9, 11 says, is the highest name. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I want to end. Um, well, I got a couple of things to talk about before I end, but I got a couple of questions for you. Are you in a position to win in this spiritual battle? So let's go through this. Are you saved and in the kingdom of God? If you're not saved, you are not in a position to win. In fact, you are enslaved to sin. You're still under the sway of the devil. You're still caught up in the dominion of darkness. You're in the wrong kingdom and you're on the wrong team and you're losing. And so the first thing that each and every one of us needs to do is switch lords, switch rulers, switch kings, right? We are under the sway of the enemy, but Jesus comes and he says, listen, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you're tired of being stolen, lied to, and destroyed and killed, right? In darkness, you can come to the light. You can accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can receive his love for you right now. So what do you do? You need to be saved. And if you're there in that position right now, I want to pray a prayer with you and ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. This is what you need to do to position yourself to have life. It's to surrender your heart to Jesus. And if you're ready to do that, let's do it right now. Let's not even wait. I got more to say, but let's do this right now. Say in your heart with me, Jesus, I need you. I love you. I choose you. And I thank you for dying for me, to forgive me my sins, to rescue my life, to save me from darkness, and to graft me into your kingdom of light. I'm all yours. I believe that you came, you lived a sinless life, you died for my sins, and you rose again from the grave. I place my faith in you today, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now you're on the winning team. Now you're on the winning team. You're saved. The Bible says that you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what we just did. Now, I want to talk about the next question. Are you submitted to God? Or are you submitted to sin? Again, are you in a position to win? Are you saved? Awesome. But now, are you submit, submitted to God? You see, freedom is made possible at salvation, but it is maintained through obedience to God. You know, there can be, you can be a Christian and you can be saved and be living a defeated life, a miserable life. You can still be bound by all kinds of problems and hurt and pain and bitterness uh, and addictions. You can be, place your faith in Jesus, but have gone back into sin, gone back into bondage, and you can be miserable, right? Uh, you could be being slapped around by the enemy, losing the battle. So what do you need to do? You need to submit to God, right? Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. And so if you are not submitted to God fully and you're submitted to some sin in your life, you have given the devil a foothold in your life. First of all, willful and unrepentant sinful patterns 
open the door for the devil to come in and begin to mess with us, torment us. And if you're not submitted to God, then you're submitted, uh, or if you're, if you, I want to say you are not submitting to God if you're not submitting to God's word, right? Because that's God's truth. So if there's some promises, some word, some direction that you know of that you're just rebelling against, you're not submitted to God. You're opening yourself up to defeat and, and some problems. And if you're not resisting, you're not resisting the devil if you're following his advice and not God's, right? So we need to repent and submit to God, all right? We can't just be a Christian, just a Christian, and then just go out there and just do whatever you want to do. If you're not submitted to God, you're going to get in trouble. And what I mean by get in trouble is the devil's going to take advantage of you. He's going to steal your joy. He's going he's to rob from you. He's going to take your health. He's going to slap you around. And so we need to be saved, but also submitted to God. One day at a time, we need to submit to God. Right? Thirdly, are you equipped with your armor? Are you living with these truths um, at the forefront of every single day? Because that will eliminate a lot of problems. If not, then I want to encourage you, your step is to dress up spiritually every single day. Go through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Meditate and memorize on these components until it becomes a daily routine for you to dress yourself spiritually in the armor of God with these truths ruling and reigning in your heart and in your mind. Okay? Fourthly, do you have a good sword? So let me just give you an example. In Mark 11, verses 22 to 24, Jesus says this, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain... Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, I heard Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok give this message before on this passage. And he said, and I looked it up in the Greek, the word for say is a Greek word, lego. Lego, I say. And Lego, of course, is the toy that many of us are familiar with that you take these little blocks and you build amazing things with. You Lego, you build stuff. And Jesus is saying, when we are saying something, we are building something. And if we are going to speak out God's truth and God's word, we're going to be building that which we say, right? And so the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And I want to ask you a question. Which sword do you want to fight with? You want a big, awesome looking sword like this? Or do you have just a little itty bitty sword like this little paper opener I have in my office, right? Which of these swords do you want to take into battle? My point is this. We build our sword, right, one day at a time by believing in God's word, meditating on God's word, and speaking God's word out. We need to build our sword. We need to trust in the word of God so much that we are investing ourselves to meditate and memorize on it every day because that's your weapon, and if you don't know anything, you just know a couple of verses, you just know a little bit, you got a little tiny sword, and the devil comes at you with some lies that you don't know how to refute, Pink! you know, how are you going to defend yourself? Right? He's going to slap you around. Ignorance is bad, remember? And so we want to build big swords, right? We want to be a muddy army, army, armor of God, arm, army of God, and we want to be able to take on the giants and defeat those. And Jesus has given you everything that you need to win. But there's that point at which are you in position to win? Do you have a, a little sword or are you working on fashioning and forging a big sword, right? So we are going to build this sword every single day and we're going to get stronger in him. The first place the devil attacks you and me is in our mind, right? Because our thoughts are 
whatever we really believe become actions. Those actions become habits and those habits become our destiny. Right. And so if the devil can lie to you and get you to believe what he's saying instead of what the word of God says, he can sway you off. He can take you off of your destiny. He can harm you by keeping you away from what God has for you to do. Right. He can keep you in bondage, in lies and deceit and lack. And I got to be honest with you, most spiritual warfare is not talking to demons. It's not facing a, a devil or facing uh, Satan himself. Most spiritual warfare is in our mind, and when the thoughts of the enemy come about condemnation, or I'm not good enough, or I can't do that, or this God doesn't really love me, that's spiritual warfare. The enemy is coming at you with thoughts that are contrary to the knowledge of God and who you are in Him. He's lying to you, and if you bite that bait, He's going to hook you with it, and He's going to hurt you with that lie. That's spiritual warfare. That's why our weapon is the Word of God and praying in the Spirit, and, and following after, after God each and every day. Do you see? So when I talk about spiritual warfare, I'm not just talking about fighting demons. I'm talking about fighting the, the, the wrong thoughts that the devil wants you to believe, right? That's his MO. And so if we can walk with God and his word and his spirit, you see how much the enemy has no power left over you and your life? And that's why it's so important that we do what Romans 12, 2 says. And it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Finally, I just want to encourage you to exercise your spiritual authority. Two of the most important verses I can share with you right now is 1 Peter 5, 9. It says this, resist him, the devil, resist him. Standing firm in the faith, standing firm in your faith. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Like I said, I've never uh, had a toe-to-toe with Satan himself that I know of. But I'll tell you what, I'm facing all kinds of little deceptive, subtle lies and emotions and thoughts all day long. And if I don't have the word of God strongly in my heart, I don't know that it's a lie. But when I know what the truth is, I can discern that's not right. That's a lie. I'm not going to believe it. What am I doing? I am resisting right there. I'm resisting the enemy. I'm resisting that thought that's fallen, that's broken, that's prideful, that's selfish, that's lustful, whatever that is. And I'm saying, no, I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to bite into that. I'm not going to adopt that. I am resisting it like a stiff arm, like the Heisman Trophy. I'm going to stiff arm that thought because it's contrary to the truth of who I am. That's spiritual warfare. That's a big part of spiritual warfare right there. And the Bible tells us to resist the devil, to resist him. So there's three things. Number one, I submit to God and I cleanse myself. I reorientate myself to God's word, right? I resist the devil and he has to flee. Isn't that awesome? It's super simple, but it's not that easy because we got flesh. We got pride. We got thoughts. We got people all around us. We're in a fallen world. We're in a fallen culture. The current is going against that, right? But God has equipped you with his word and his spirit to win, to win against the attacks of the enemy. And so a spirit-filled, spirit-led believer lives a life of victory, fruitfulness, life, peace, and power because they're not relying on themselves 
but on the Spirit of God. So may you desire and pursue and grow in a Spirit-filled life. I want to close by giving you two encouraging scriptures. 1 John 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, the evil spirits, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in this world. Hallelujah. You have a greater power. You have a greater one inside of you, the Spirit of God, than all the power, all the power of the evil spirits and the, and the devil himself, right? Jesus is in you. His Spirit is in you and with you, and you are going to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 4 says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. We are overcomers. We are on a winning team. We are in the victorious army. It's time for us to continue to march forward into the plans and purposes God has for each and every one of our lives. As I close, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would also be aware and heightened to any ground that you have recently given up to the enemy through either ignorance, laziness, apathy, uh, or just flat out disobedience. If there's any disobedience in your life, if you need to repent, right now is a great time to do that. You can't defeat the enemy until you repent and submit to God. But once you repent and submit to God, then you resist the enemy. He has to go. No matter what's going on, there is no authority greater than the name of Jesus, than the Spirit of God who is in you when you're submitted to God. So this morning, I just want to lead you in that prayer to get right with him, just to resubmit your life to him. And may the Holy Spirit quicken to you any area of your life that the enemy is squatting on that God wants to restore back to you. And then may you be vigilant to study his word, find out what your authority is in him and put it into practice and exercise your authority in Christ and win, win. I want to see every one of us win. So God, right now, I just thank you for this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit will quicken your truth to each and every one of us, that you will lead us and guide us. And God, even now, we come together collectively and but intensely personally with a spirit of repentance for any area of our lives that we have been disobeying you or just off track. Right now we repent, we turn back to you. We ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of this unrighteousness. We break up any contracts or agreements we've made with sin in our lives. And we return to you, God. We submit to you, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would quicken in us your Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing of authority, of power, that we can see uh, clearly what the enemy is trying to do, that you would quicken us, Lord, to, uh, to be restored to your plan and purpose for our lives. You'd show us, Lord, by your spirit, any areas that we need to do battle in. And we ask, Lord, that you will continue to anoint us and lead us into victory because our trust and our hope is in you. We thank you that greater are you who's in us, Lord, than the one that's in this world. We thank that you have made us to be overcomers and victorious in this life. And now, Lord, may we experience that victory today and may we be a rescuer. May we be a, a helper to someone else who's going through a difficult time. May we put on the, the shoes that are fitted with the gospel of peace and take that shalom to the streets. Take it to our families. Take it to our coworkers. Take it to our students. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. I want to pray the blessing over you. Thanks for watching. I hope you're doing great. I love you. Uh, looking forward to what God has for our lives together in the near future. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his peace, his shalom in his name. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you.